Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 237. This is not uh, part of the puppy deal. This is going to be one of the Training for Regular People, Regular Dogs podcasts. And I'm going to uh, break down the process, purpose, idea, all of the, the what's and why's and why nots about what's called traditionally the force fetch part of, proce- of the process for, for animals that retrieve things as part of their living. There's a lot of uh, interesting ideas. I have had, I've had many discussions over the years. People call me about dog training and say, well, do you force fetch dogs? And I said, of course, I can't do very much that I do without that. And so they're envisioning, you know, really hideous things. And some people have gone places and seen really hideous things. And so there's been some, there's some real tough guy approaches to this. There's some, there's a whole lot of different kinds. So I'm not going to really discuss the various approaches so much as I'm going to talk about what it is, why it is. And maybe see if I can get just a little better understanding for people who either have just one idea or don't even know what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk about what is in the retriever world called the force fetch. It is not a forced fetch. (laughs) It is not forced retrieving. All right. That is not what it is. It's called force fetch because you use the word traditionally fetch to teach them that they have to take into their mouth whatever it is you're asking them. Now, dogs that do the handicap assist, where they bring people the telephone or they bring people uh, their, their slippers or the remote or whatever it is, uh, the dogs you've seen on t- the old TV programs where they open the refrigerator, there's always golden retrievers that always did this stuff. Uh, and would grab a beer and bring it to you. So all those dogs have been through some sort of force fetch. In the obedience ring, in the open, and the utility levels, and I don't, maybe there's even new levels that are, you know, I don't know about since I was there a long time ago, where dogs have to do, they have to retrieve, pick up things, and bring them to you and hand them to you. So they have some sort of force fetch. So it's pretty uh, widely used. Um, So I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to talk about it with regard to our very, very robust retrievers. One, I'd suggest don't ever teach your dog how to open the refrigerator. Just saying. Just saying. Um, But we're going to talk about this process on dogs with a high level, relatively high level, or very high level, of a desire to go get something and bring it to you. So that's what we're talking about. So I force-fetched, air quotes, a a Doberman pitcher and a a dachshund uh, a long, long time ago. They both ran ran in the open, you know, where they have to retrieve and jump over stuff and all that. So I did both of those. I didn't do what I do now. Well, Doberman, you really can't pinch your ear hardly. Um, It wasn't an ear pinch, it was more of an attrition approach. In other words, there wasn't a lot of pressure. There was just a lot of repetition. And that would work. That approach would work on those dogs because all they had to do was go get a wooden thing or a rope thing or a, something I'd had my hand on. They had to just go get some inanimate object and then bring it back to me and sit down and hand it to me. 
So that's not a real difficult thing to teach a relatively intelligent dog to do just because. Because the wooden dowel is never going to try and get out of their mouth. The wooden dowel is never going to peck them in the eye or scratch them in the lip or the roof of the mouth or something. So it's a different thing when you're talking about a fairly passive and benign way of of carrying things and what our hunting and competitive dogs do where they have to go get stuff that's not dead or stuff that is but is kind of disgusting don't need to go into much detail but it's not the most pleasant thing in the world to retrieve so that's why in the performance dog world and by performance i don't mean the obedience ring i mean out in the real world like real life like if you had to hunt to eat you know you need a dog that brings you everything and then we of course just turned that into competition and stuff like that so that's the kind of thing that i'm talking about what is the force fetch process and is it necessary and it does it does it have to be horrible and all that so there are a few steps to this process but the bottom line of what is called the force fetch i think i've heard people call it force breaking not sure exactly what that means um i've just always known it as force fetch that's what i wrote in the book that's what the, the video is called is just the force fetch and it i just want to say and i'm not hawking stuff for myself but i did a whole i don't know 45 minute hour for a uh, force fetch video that i put out on the market because most often when you see that stuff if you go to a seminar where they talk about force fetch they'll get you a dog that's already been through the process successfully and they show you the steps they don't show what happens when the dog just gets locked john won't won't even open their mouth when the dog just turns into a wet noodle and just wants to lay down when the dog wants to bite you and make you stop it because they don't understand what you're doing and they don't like it there's a lot of stuff that happens that is very difficult to tell somebody okay here's what you do so in the, in the thing that i did i have a couple wet noodles I have some dogs that are trying to predict everything that's going to happen and get ahead of me. That's not good. Um, it's like having a kid that's bored by everything you say and you're trying to teach them. It's real hard. Um, just to show people how to respond to the dog, which is something in all training you have to do. But anyway, I just want to make sure people understand that. If you've watched a, a video of somebody do it or somebody get their dog out and go, here, here's the steps you go through, eh, doesn't look too tough. And a lot of sometimes it's not, and sometimes uh, you you really you're just going, what on earth happened here? A pro, uh, field trial pro from a long time ago. I don't, I I think he's gone now. I really liked guy out of Texas. I really liked him. He was he was kind of a real intellectual and yet real heart kind of a trainer, and I enjoyed him. And he had told me one time, uh, I had a competition that. Uh, he said, my favorite part of dog training, he was a professional trainer, is a force fetch. Because he said, that's where you really get to know your dog. Now, I always say the walk with a puppy is where you really get to know your dog. But he didn't do that because he didn't have puppies when he, he got a dog in ready for force fetch. But when you begin this process, assuming you understand the components of it, what the goal is, what you're trying to do, 
and how to work with your dog, you learn about a lot about their response to pressure, their ability to think things through, their willingness to understand something that is difficult and unnatural. Because what we're asking them to do here, though pretty easy for most of our dogs, is not something in the wild world, in a wild dog pack, they would ever have to do. There are no force-fetch dingoes, nor is it necessary on the plains of Africa. Just not necessary. But when we take these predators and these talented dogs, and we begin to conform them to our needs and our wants and our competitive things, that requires that they do something that's a little bit unnatural. And that is pick up whatever it is you ask them. Now, I don't, I don't think, I, when I first started, I did the throw everything on the ground. I made one dog once pick up a piece of plywood, small enough. But, you know, I don't do that anymore because I, we don't hunt or fetch plywood. And I didn't, you know, I didn't find it necessary. I found out how to just force fetch them right where you don't have to do the crazy stuff. But it's um, where they learn to do this unnatural behavior of picking up whatever you ask, whether it's a plastic bumper, a canvas bumper, uh, a frozen bird, a not frozen bird, whatever you ask them to pick it up, that they pick it up. That they carry it in their mouth comfortably, not putting teeth holes into anything, not chewing on it, not dropping it, not defeathering it, just carrying it. And then whenever you need it or would like it back, then they give it to you. That's period. 100% of the time, always clearly understood that's what their job is. That's why you force fetch. For those of us who take the force fetch and then from that, Go on to do the handling, which is where you, you know, you'd sit a dog next to you and there's a dead something, a dead bird out there, 280 yards. And you'd say, you cue them and you tell them back and they go and they haven't seen it. They don't know where it is. They have a good idea from the direction you sent them. But they're running like heck to go get this thing they never saw. All of that is premised on being able to get a dog to pick a bumper up reliably three feet in front of them every single time. That's the first step to that later stuff. Now, can you through attrition, everybody that teaches blinds by just putting out bumpers and sending them back and back and back to the same thing? Yeah, I mean, that'll work, but that's not going to get them 280 yards through yucky stuff. You have no tools to go. You've got to go further. You've got to go further. You don't have any choice. So that's why the force fetch is necessary to do a really good job of the advanced handling stuff. But that's not what we're about. We're about the force fetch. So it is that thing which teaches dogs to do this. So that obviously in competition, other than I believe... The certified level at the American Pointing Lab Association and the started level at the HRC stuff, there they don't have to deliver to hand. In the AKC Junior Hunter and all AKC stuff, they have to deliver to hand. And at all those levels later on in APLA and HRC also, they must deliver to hand. And that doesn't mean they can drop it 15 times coming in and eventually you are, you know, like a fielder and grab it before it hits the ground when they get close to you. 
They have to bring it in to you and wait for you to take it. And you take it, and it needs to be undamaged. Bones cannot be crunched. Uh, teeth, teeth pokes cannot be in the body of whatever it is. So they have to just carry this thing to you. And if it's a bird that's still alive, and I don't know if you've ever seen a pheasant that's fighting for its life that a dog is retrieving, yeah, they got to hold on to that thing, and sometimes that's not real uh, easy to do. So a good force fetch makes it very clear in the dog's mind, you know, this guy's, a, I may have to reposition him a little here, but he's going to go all the way back because that's what their job is. So that's what the force fetch is for. Saves game, uh, keeps game in a good condition, brings your stuff back. If, you know, you're throwing things without being dropped in the mud. Now you set down a wounded bird, it's gone, just gone. So for a zillion reasons, it's very easy to have, not easy, it's very straightforward to have a dog that retrieves and brings everything to you reliably without argument. Now, before just going into a, just a small discussion of what's behind the force fetch, um, dogs, as I've said many, many times throughout all of these podcasts, dogs show anxiety show their nervousness, show their a lot of a lot of their negative emotions because they can't sit there and go, hey, listen, Jack, you know, I really don't understand what we're doing or whatever it is. They don't do that, right? But where they do tell you that they're under stress, confused, some negative thing is generally two ways, through their mouth or through their digestive tract. So, you know, I'm not going to address the, but they, when they get nervous, it literally impacts their, their digestive system. Also, when they are have some anxiety and stuff, misunderstood things, confusion, fear, all of that comes out in their mouth. So many, 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 like way close to 99% of dogs' mouth problems can start with how you do this whole force fetch process. Because you are, we are right in their mouth. We are right in their face. And it's all about mouth stuff. And so you need to, going into a process like this or having looking for someone to do it for you, is find out how, you know, what their approach is on that. Because if you're, it's like, listen, buddy, it's my way or the highway, and you jam it in there, and it becomes a real belligerent kind of combative thing. One of the first things that comes out with dogs is that kind of crunching down, you know, just the frustration and they kind of clamp their jaw down. I mean, we do that sometimes, if you ever think about it. And, they, and so you start to get this stuff coming out in the mouth. And if you teach them, hey, whenever we're training and working together, it's like that. You can get a dog that, that likes to crunch on bones, you know, get a little, a little uh, pushback, crunch down on what it's... Uh, taking or or I don't know biting on it or all kind you know they can not letting go that's one of the things they do when they're getting a little bit kind of concerned about the process is they just go okay I won't let it go I'm having to go through all this stuff to take it so I'm never letting it go so if you start getting real combative about that then the dog responds in kind so it's important to be aware, anyone that wants to do a force fetch is know one of the things you want to do is not create any problems down the road. 
So one of the things, this is, <laughs> I always chuckle when I say this to people, you want to go through this process without a lot of emotion. You just don't. Um, that's in the video I show all like some are really hard and I don't ever change of course I've done it a gazillion times right so but I don't ever change because one way or the other I'm gonna prevail eventually and I know it and so I'm just gonna find out oh this is gonna be this dog's reaction to this or this is how they respond so calm non-emotional because when you get all emotional then they can start to they either absorb that or they use it against you you know, like, oh, yeah, they start making a noise. I had one dog, as soon as I got the bumper near him, I didn't do any, use any pressure. I'll start screaming, just screaming. Fortunately, I lived in the middle of nowhere. If I had neighbors, they'd be going, what is she doing? The dog was just screaming. That's very rare. But I had one that did that. I was like, holy, I'm not even doing it. He's just thinking about, oh, she's going to stuff that in my mouth, and I don't like it. And they just scream. So, <laughs> That, yeah, that was very extreme. I've only had one or two, maybe three or four in my entire life like that. But sometimes they're like that. And sometimes they're so stoic, you don't even know maybe they went into a coma. So let me, let's talk about the process real quickly so I don't get you horrified by telling those stories. So to teach a dog to have the behavior I explained at the beginning, which is they go pick up whatever you want, regardless of condition or whatever, and then they come back and sit down and wait for you to take it without damaging it in any way, or dropping it, or all of that. So this is one, again, an unnatural process for a dog. So please understand that. Give them that. I, one of the not very pleasant, or kind of, I don't know, analogies I use, is like, okay, I'm going to teach you to some guy how to kiss your sister. Right? They're like, mm, no, I, that, that's not something I do. Um, Sorry, gross example, but I get my point made. It's like, no, I just don't do that. And so that's how dogs are when it's like, all right, you're going to put this thing in your mouth and you're going to keep it in there. And there's no reason and they're not moving and there's they're not having fun with it. So they're like, no, I'm not. This is stupid. I'm either going to eat it or run around with it. That's all I'm going to do. So we're teaching behaviors that do not come naturally to most dogs. There's a few that just do it so well. One of the very first dogs I ever force fetched was so easy. You know, and I thought, shoot, there's nothing. I don't know what people's problems are, later learned. Anyway, you, whatever you get, you get. But it's an unnatural thing that we're asking them to do. So you take the same thing. You want to use the same thing all the time. I have a, uh, if it's a smaller dog, I get a smaller bumper. Um, I don't want a big giant thing. I'm not trying to prove any point. And I'm not trying to solve any problems for those of you with the barbed wire wrapped around stuffs to teach them not to bite down. That teaches them not to bite down when there's barbed wire on something. That's about all, in that you play dirty tricks on them. That's what it teaches them. So when you first teach a dog, you take the same bumper. It's got their spit on it, their smell. So that's all a good thing. And they have to be, you have to have good obedience. I don't know how you do this if you can't get a dog to sit down. The first thing we're going to do, and then just clip them to something. Clip them to a fence, the kennel gate. I always, I turned to in later years when bending over with wrangling big, strong dogs be became something that was not fun anymore. Uh, put them on a force fetch table and just clipped them on and told them to sit. 
And if they wouldn't, if they wanted to resist and stuff, then I would just had a little collar, a flat collar around their waist and just tied them where they had to sit, right? So the waist was down and, and their head was up, and so they were in a seated position. If you don't have that, you can't fight two things. Sit because I told you, and then learn this new thing that you don't like. That's too much. So get them sat down, make, them sure they, make sure they understand, and then... Teach them and use very, okay, calm, calm training. And very, very simply teach them, say, fetch, or whatever command you want. You could say, Fred, it doesn't matter. Fetch, open their mouth from the top jaw, put the bumper in, make sure their lips, their upper lips do not get caught, especially the canine, between between the uh, bumper and the and their their gums so you're pinching the gum with that tooth you don't want to do that so make sure the lips are up so the teeth are just contacting the bumper and not the skin from the lips at all because now it, it hurts and you don't want that they're really going to resist why are you doing this this hurts so make sure the lips are up put it in their mouth and then tell them to hold keep it in their mouth don't tell them to hold and they'll pull your hands away and then they spit it out and then you put it back and then you tell them to hold and then you take your hands away and they spit it out that's nothing that you want so when you first start teaching them to force fetch or to hold then you teach them to keep it in their mouth so i like to have control of their head and i just i keep there without asphyxiating them by by closing down their nasal passages on the upper jaw Teach them to sit there and hold. Some dogs, that's one day. Some day dogs, that's one or two weeks every day. Don't let them spit it out. When they spit it out, then they're learning that's a part of this. So I like to never let them spit it out. I keep one hand under the lower jaw, another one on the top. I show in the video real clearly. I'll put my, my gloved hands, everything gloves, no bare hands on this because there's like teeth and spit and stuff. Um, I just cover their eyes with one hand and that just calms them down kind of like racehorses with blinders just calms them down and so they they just sit there and and uh, you know learn to accept that so goal number one is to teach these dogs to just sit and hold and not hold with anybody yelling doing nasty stuff sometimes dogs do this very willingly sometimes they resist really strongly because again to them this is unnatural so they may have a reaction that surprises the heck out of you because they feel kind of like a trapped animal because i'm having to sit here and hold this no i have to get away understand that's normal and if their mind is on like i gotta get it out of my mouth i'm gonna die if i don't get this out of my mouth really uh, emphasize sit even if they're sitting right i understand that gets people but it gets their mind off of their mouth and on their rear end even if they're sitting sit and so they think about take the mind off i gotta get it out of my mouth and they get it on set so you go through all of that until you can say fetch and put it in their mouth you can bump under their chin say hold and folks like anything else you don't say sit 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 when you're teaching that and we don't say hold 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 say it once have them do it if they get kind of like, oh, I'm going to spit this out, say hold again. Bump them under the bottom jaw with the flat of your hand to reinforce the jaws closed. And get them where you can do that. 
The next step at when you get that, that's great. Then be able to step away. What happens when you think you got hold and then you step away from where they're seated? Then they spit it out. So now you have to go back. There is a consequence once you have taught them, not to spit things out, taught them. The consequence for spitting it out is generally when you put it back, you take those upper lips and you kind of press them up against the teeth on the upper jaw. You say, you say, uh, fetch or hold and you kind of squeeze so it's uncomfortable that they don't want that again, put it in their mouth and stop. So there is a consequence for spitting it out. Otherwise, there's no reason not to spit it out and make you go over there and put it back in. But you have they have to understand what your expectation is first. Always calm, always without anger, always without frustration because most of the mouth problems that people have start right here when you get frustrated or angry and maybe you react strongly, you raise your voice, you pinch really hard, you know, there's anger and stuff like that. This becomes something one they don't understand. That's the first thing. They aren't being stubborn. They aren't, I mean, they might be resisting you because they don't understand. And if you, so you don't go after them like a barroom brawl, you wear them down through patience and consistency. And this doesn't become such a horrible thing. When it does become kind of a horrible thing, they start clamping down. And once they get that response going in their heads, they get that little, oh, this is terrible, and their mouths tighten up. It's very hard to ever get that to go away. So it's very important that things, that's why the real tough, tough, uh, high pressure, pinchy thing, uh, force fetch things, I haven't gotten to quite to that point yet, and I will. That's why when they do that and they don't understand, they just know they're getting hurt over here, the, then it comes out in their mouth. It, that's not necessary. The anger, get rid of it extreme pain for anything, get rid of it. Now, after you have a dog that will sit and hold stuff, whether you walk away or whatever, okay, now get him to do that while you're doing your basic obedience. Heal and sit. Walking around. When you can do that, get where you can walk around the neighborhood, the park, whatever you're doing through the field, unleash with this dog, and they just learn to carry that bumper and relax. If you have time, I would do this, if I was just training one dog, I would do it with every dog. Once I got them where they'll hold it, I'd go out for a 10 or 15 minute walk and teach them to carry it. You know, in a time or two, they're going to spit it out. Then you do the little teeth pinch consequence, put it back in and keep going. What that does is teach them to carry these things while they're moving and not think about it and relax. So that's a, a very useful thing to do if you have the time. As when I was training a lot of them, all, only the real trouble guys would I do that with. But for my own dogs, I, would, I did that with every one. I would just take a lot of time so their mouths just relaxed and they associated pleasant things, extended pleasant things with carrying the bumper. Really good thing to do. Now you get into the force part of force fetch. And I'm not going to break that down too much here. But what you're doing here, I do want to make sure some of the pressure things people understand because there's a wide variety in the approaches on pressure on this thing. And I feel extremely strongly about 
that. So I'm just going to talk about that. Not saying other people aren't right. It's just a, an approach that I have never found necessary. But you have to have enforcement pressure, not punishment. There is not punishment. I guess you could call consequence a punishment, but it's like when you're spitting it out, I'm going to make this hurt on your lip right there by your teeth, so don't do it again. That's kind of a... But it's enforcing the hold and giving them a consequence like their mother would in a litter of puppies. Now that they're sitting, now we're going to teach them, and I'm not going to break this all down. Buy the video if you want to see that. Um, but we're going to teach them when I say the word fetch, you are going to open your mouth and put this in and take it. And then you're going to do the whole thing that you know really well. So you need to work hold really well. You don't start with ear pinch or whatever pressure you use. Okay, there's toe hitches, which can damage toes. And people have, I love it, that's the only way to go. Um, all your top, top shelf people, almost all of them in the filter world are, are ear pinchers, you know, just because you don't really hurt anybody that way. If somebody has hurt ears, then they were with the anger, mad, punitive kind of force fetch thing. So I've never damaged an ear in my life. But now we're going to do a slight ear pinch, and there's what, you know, there's videos in the book, all that stuff. A near pinch way up close to the head. You don't even break the skin. I use the brass end of a shell, shotgun shell, 20 gauge, to do that. Other people use different things. It just has to be some pressure there. First, you put it in their mouth and say, fetch, and put it in. Right? And then you drop whatever you to take it out. And then fetch and put it in. So you make sure that they associate the word fetch with putting it in their mouth. Right? Now we're going to sit day one, once you know they've got that, sometimes they'll just start reaching for it, which is great. That's a great fetch, and they open their mouth, and you put it in. Now what we have to do, whether now they're letting you put it in or whether they're reaching for it, we're going to have to start to put some pressure on reaching for it. Yes, every dog, even the super good ones, have to have some pressure to condition them mentally to go, i got to pick that up. Even if they willingly love it, grab it, and pick it up all the time, they are not conditioned. And so when they get a shot, something or other, that has, well, let's say, a, a sand burr on it, or it's still alive and, and scratching at them, okay, when they've never learned that I pick up, period, no matter what, I don't think about it, then they'll pick that up. And even if they got a sand burr poking them, they're going to bring it back to you. If they've never had to retrieve under any duress, they might not. And you have no tool to enforce it. So that's why you always, it's, you always have to have this. Even if a dog does it right, like I said, the first one I ever did did that, I had to go back and, and make them fail by actually holding them by a leash and then enforcing to make sure I had that conditioning in there. I didn't know that in the beginning. Now, the easy ones that I really like are actually harder because now I got to go back in there and have a little bit of force some failure so I can get my conditioning in because you have to have it particularly if you're moving on to more advanced handling things got to have the conditioning so it's where you and, and if you use the ear pinch here's the deal a lot of these things if you listen a lot of the uh, people out there tell you to pinch that ear or what if you're toe hitching or whatever other forms of pressure you might have I don't use electricity at all, 
Okay, I don't. I know that's a cool thing that everybody does. I start with, like everything else, earning my respect from the dog, and I use physical pressure ear pinch. The minute the dog makes the effort, the pressure stops. So they totally control it by responding, like in obedience and everything else. So as soon as I say fetch and they reach, that, faint, that pressure goes away. There's another school of thought where they say you keep the pressure on until they all the way have the bumper. So even when the bumper's on the ground, you grind them all the way to the ground. Now, again, just if that were me, that would not work. I would really not like you because I'm making an effort and I'm still getting pressure. Right, that's, there's no way to win. You just endure. Whereas if you make the effort, the pressure stops, you win, you control it. So that's my approach on everything and certainly on the force fetch. So you got to go get that. And it starts close and then you slowly move it towards the ground because they might do it real, real good as long as you're holding it. And as soon as you're not holding it, then all bets off. I don't have to get it if you're not holding it. Okay, that's not stubborn. That's dog think. So... <laughs> Then you have to, you know, I, I think I learned this from Danny. You lay it on your foot. So it's touching your foot, and then slowly you get it a little bit away from the foot until you can get them to be fetching it off the ground, and et cetera, et cetera. And then you set it, throw it down on the ground, say fetch, and they run down there, pick it up, and return to heel. Okay, and then from, that, from then on, that's the expectation. But it's done through patience, calmness, consistency, and as far as I'm concerned, letting them control any pressure they get by responding. When I say fetch and they go for it, right? Good, I'm not going. If I say fetch and they don't go for it, I come back in, just like teaching sitter here. I come back in and say fetch again, apply the pressure. If they're being a little bit stubborn, I don't just grind on it. I'll say fetch with a pinch, fetch with a pinch, fetch with a pinch, until they at least yield somewhat and go get it. Every now and then they just have one of those days where they go, I'm just not doing this today, I don't like it. Again, while you're doing this stuff, understand, this is very unnatural, it's hard. It's hard and they don't always get this. And understand that this is also a place you can create some mouth problems by being too tough, too demanding, too emotional, too punitive, instead of the patience and consistency. So I'm going to kind of wrap it up on that. I, that's not really a how-to, but it's trying to make people understand what this process is. And I probably on the video filmed six, eight, I don't know, ten dogs of all different types doing that. And always all I ever did was respond to what the dog is doing. If they're super, super willing and it's real easy, I got a problem because I'm going to have to find a failure and get my conditioning in there at some point maybe when they're fetching off the ground then i can come in and do that otherwise it's nice but you've got to condition them that fetch means pick it up and then it's in your mouth without damage the way you teach dogs with not to damage stuff is not with the barbed wire and the yucky stuff it's by doing all that whole work early on so that they relax and hold if it takes weeks then take weeks that if you have a dog that doesn't lock down on you somewhere, normally locking down with their mouth is response to misunderstood pressure somewhere. So just try to never have that happen. <laughs> this is the really good thing. Know that it could. 
So when your dog is through this, it's really great because when you throw a hand-thrown bumper, you send them, they go get it, they pick it up, they come back, sit down next to you, and then when you reach for it, they let go. Again, that's a result of calm teaching in all of this stuff, not the anger and I'll hurt you more. The electricity to me, there's a place later on, do I get electricity in on the fetch in the back and all that? Absolutely. But I like to teach the same, I ask as much of myself as I do the dog. I need to intricately be in there when I'm doing that fetch ear pinch thing without ever damaging an ear or making them head shy. And I have never had a head shy dog in a million years of this stuff because you just don't have to. It's, they're not thinking so much about the ear thing as they are about what you're asking and executing it. When they do that, there are no ear pinches at all in the teaching, in the teaching thing. None. But it, and then you really learn about your dog. You really learn about yourself as a dog trainer. And you, um, you establish some trust and some communication between you and that dog that can't really be established any other way. And that's what that one field trial trainer was talking about. He really gets to know his dogs and they do him. And based on that technical work, and it's kind of the first really hard thing they do that's unnatural and can easily be misunderstood, that's where they begin to trust you. And when you do that well and then you start your pile work, that goes pretty easily. And then the other things move on. So that's an explanation of the force fetch. There's other people that do it with, you know, like ripping the toe up and electric collar stuff and all that. Somewhat similar, I would assume, of a philosophy. I'm just saying I like the earn it thing, you know, and really dig down into the psyche of that dog. And that's one of the biggest problem prevention ways of approaching force fetch which you're not going to hear too much about. People just tell you how to do it. They don't tell you how to do it without stirring up something with the wrong kind of dog. So that's today's. I hope that's helpful to those of you that are at least curious or maybe having some problems. It should take anywhere from several weeks to a month or two if you know, you're new to it and you're careful. It's not something that you want to do oh, once or twice a week. If you're going to go through the process, then go do something on it almost every day. Make sure you balance that out with some fun retrieves or some walks and some stuff like that. So you're, they got this really hard new thing, and we balance it out with a you know, soccer game, figuratively speaking, something that they really like that's dynamic. Um, but do it if you consistently... Have a program in your mind. Understand your goal. Most importantly of all, when you're doing that, I always tell everybody, at any instant while you're in the middle of that, if I were standing there on your shoulder and I say, what's your dog, what do you think your dog's thinking right now? You should be able to tell me because that's what you have to respond to. It's not that you just go through these steps. It's that you teach this animal how to respond and control the pressure and learn to do these things in a relaxed and trusting fashion. That's today's everybody. Wish you well. Spring will be coming sometime. Um, but we'll all welcome it when it gets here. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, do some good dog work.